Hello and welcome to the Body Track Academy, created by EPs for EPs. We'll cover all things clinical, business and personal growth to help you and the exercise physiology industry reach its potential. If you enjoyed this episode and find something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review and tell your friends to check it out. If you haven't already joined the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up, join our community of exercise physiologists, and access more great content. Hello, listeners of the Academy. We are back in the podcast room today chatting with Holly uh, about kids and physical activity. A little bit of an intro. Uh, we're going to delve into what conditions they might have, why physical activity is important, and the EP's role. In, um, in dealing with kids with those conditions or just getting more generally active. Holly, welcome. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Dan. How are you? I'm going well. I'm excited about this chat, actually, because it's a little bit out of my depth, so I'm probably going to pick up a few things and learn a few things. Um, let's kick off about kids and physical activity. What do we know in terms of broad general guidelines or statements about um, about why exercise is important for them? Yeah, sure. So there's a lot of different things um, that you can consider when thinking about working with children um, and, you know, physical activity. I guess if we start off with the Australian guidelines, children um, should be aiming to achieve 60 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity every single day. So um, I think if we think about that from our own perspective, that's quite a lot of physical movement, like an hour of moderate to vigorous activity each day. Um, and it is also a lot for children as well, particularly, um, I guess, in the modern time, we have a lot of different things that kids are more drawn to, particularly mm. um, with technology. So it's important to make sure that we are, um, I guess, encouraging and fostering behaviours that um, work towards achieving that level of activity. So 60 minutes, it's more than the 30 minutes that adults, you yeah. know, the recommendation there. Um, any main reason do you think that is for 60 minutes uh, compared to say 30? Is it because are they kind of counteract the effects of technology as well? Or is that helping to um, help with their physical activity as well? Mm. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, look, I don't know the exact reasons, but I think a lot of it would be around trying to um, help support their gross motor function. So we know that a yep. lot of like general movement patterns and um, general physical activity helps to develop children's gross motor skills. Um, and also as well, like with children, we are trying mm -hmm. to develop really good, um, I guess, uh, I, I guess like um, behaviours around mm -hmm. Um, physical activity so that when they do reach those um, teens and adult years when we're um, working full-time and yep. having families and everything's like a little bit more challenging around time um, that they are having those good behaviors ingrained in them because we know that children who are more active in their younger years often do have um, better health outcomes in the future and do exercise more. Yeah, So um, yeah. it is important for reducing the risk of developing those um, diseases that are correlated with inactivity yep. as well. Yep, for yeah, for sure. And I've definitely seen a trend uh, in the awareness of physical activity for children of all ages as mm -hmm. well, because I was even discussing this with Gage the other day, um, back when I was a youngster and thinking about physical activity. Sure, I was active in the afternoons after school, um, but it wasn't anything structured, I guess, or yeah. wasn't going to a gym. It wasn't 
going to see an EP and I'm seeing that obviously a lot more now being in the, at body track as well. Um, so Martin was probably more drawn to technology, to be honest, my, my own personal, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm definitely, we're definitely seeing a lot more, um, kids coming through the clinic, yeah. um, with various conditions as well and reasons as to why, um, I know that you have experiences of quite a lot of a lot of them with um, those various conditions. So, let's maybe talk about what an EP's role is, and maybe some of the conditions that you do see in, in children. And yeah, yeah talk about sure. that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So, I guess the role of an exercise physiologist, and maybe just backtracking a little bit as to why um, we do see more children now, and there are a number of reasons. Um, and we're probably like a little bit more in an area where we're more exposed to that, you know, like it's not that every children, uh, every child needs to see an EP. That's definitely not the case. Mm. Um, but we see lots of different children who have complex health conditions. And so, um, being able to actively participate in physical movement that children without, um, or able-bodied children may, um, be involved in, it's a little bit more challenging. And I guess, um, inclusion in those activities are de is definitely improving, but it's still more difficult to mm. participate. So we are seeing um, lots of different children coming through. Um, in terms of, you know, what we might see in the clinic for kids that are coming to see us, um, I think we see a lot of children who have um, uh, developmental delays, I mm -hmm. guess is probably a broader way of describing it. Yep. Um, a, probably a common one that we do see is children with dyspraxia, which is a movement coordination um, disorder. Yep. Um, and we're really just helping to support them to feel more confident with their movement, develop their gross motor skills, ensure that they're um, increasing their participation in physical activity outside of a clinic. And mm. that's generally the goal, I guess, from a clinical perspective for most children and adolescents that we see is to actually increase their participation outside of those sessions. Um, so I guess the sessions then like they can be a bit more, which we still do with adults as well, but more educational based and, and, and finding avenues and opportunities for increasing physical activity yeah. rather than focusing heavily on the prescriptive side. Of, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I think when, if we compare like, you know, if a young child was to see a physiotherapist, that might be because of more of a acute trauma or um, to really help support with... Um, like aids and learning with movement with those sort of things and mm, other reasons yeah, as well. Yeah. But really our role as EPs isn't to um, provide really structured rehab, mm. generally speaking. Um, it's more to increase their participation and their education and understanding of how they can be as involved in, as possible yeah. in physical activity and meet and um, get them to understand how they can meet that 60 minutes yeah. as well, which is yeah, as I said earlier, challenging, yeah, to, for challenging sure. to achieve. For sure. Um, Considering, yeah, the advancements, like you said before, on technology and yeah. the favoritism to that. Um, absolutely. And there's always that debate about whether technology is hindering or yeah. can be aiding. Yeah, but absolutely. two sides of the mm. discussion around that. Um, yeah, very interesting. So uh, let's just focus a little bit more on uh, some of those conditions. Let's think there very practically. So paint a bit of a visual scene for someone if you've got a, someone coming in with dyspraxia. Now, I know it could be different movement patterns or co coordination, et cetera, that they might present with, but is there any cases that you have in your experience of um, uh, children coming to see you with dyspraxia? Is there any kind of 
movement pattern that you see is common that's uh, a sh you know needs to be developed further um, how do you go about developing that as well um yeah so there probably isn't any like specific movement patterns that I notice as a real trend and I think that's probably because I see children at different ages and mm -hmm. at different developmental stages I guess you could say as well um, obviously the more complex motor patterns are usually more challenging for them to, um, execute, but it's also what they're growing up around. You know, if they have brothers or sisters who, um, are super into cricket, let's say, and they're always out the back and they're catching mm. the ball and throwing the ball with their brother or siblings or parents, then they might actually be pretty, pretty good with throwing and catching. Yeah. Um, yeah. but they might have a real challenge or difficulty with doing jumping or hopping or skipping or those motor activities. So it also is, yeah, it's not, um, it's a little bit more specific to the individual, I guess, and, um, what they've have practiced a lot in their mm. life already yep. um, and what they're familiar with as well. Um, I, I just remembered that we probably didn't elaborate much more on other conditions that we see apart from dyspraxia. Yeah, but um, I would say commonly we often do see children um, with cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. We might see, and mainly a little bit more in adolescent years, they might see a physio earlier on. Um, we also see lots of children um, who have ASD, um, or on the yep. spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's probably covers quite a few of the children that we see as well. Yep. Um, and then there's other complex health conditions as well. I know that, um, there are some EPs that might see children living with, um, cancer at, mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. going through that stage and trying to make sure that they're able to participate in activity, etc. Yep. as well. So it does, um, cover a, a wide variety. We mm. also have, um, you know, Down syndrome and other disabilities as well. So there, it does cover a lot. Um, and that's why this is a bit more of an intro, I guess, than yeah, focusing going... in on any one in particular. Yeah. Uh, but the, I guess the main message out of all of that is kind of regardless of the condition they are presenting with, the main overall goal is to get them to increase their physical activity and getting towards that 60 minutes definitely, at the moment. Definitely. The... Stats at the moment, I think, are that less than 23% of children mm. between the ages of 5 and 14 are actually meeting those guidelines. Wow. And that's just generally speaking. Yep. Um, that's that's, that's not, pretty astounding. <laughs> yeah, that's not for children with complex health conditions either. So Yeah, um, right. Yeah, right. It's, it's something mm. that needs to be addressed yep. and focused on. So that's um, something that EPs can really help support. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I guess as well, the influence from... Uh, parents and adults as well. So I know I know here, and we're obviously a small population sample, but I think a lot of the, the and correct me if I'm wrong here, Holly, but a lot of the children that I see come in um, have started coming in after, say, their mum or their dad have started with us. Um, yeah. So is there some, some sort of relationship or research or even just even your opinion about what you think the, the, the bond is between an active parent and their children or being non-active as a parent, mm. uh, how does that then affect? I'm sure yeah. there's some ties in there. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't have any research to rattle off right now, but um, I do know that there has been research into that yeah. Um, yeah. and to show that if children are surrounded by people in their lives who are active and um, physically 
participate in exercise regularly, then they are more likely to be active themselves and to show interest in being active. Mm. So I think that that's, um, yeah, that's absolutely huge. You're right. We do have a lot of people that come in and they might be doing some EP sessions themselves and they know that they have a a friend with a um, young child who has a disability or even their child themselves and they think that they would benefit from exercise physiology Definitely. sessions because yeah. they might have seen another child in there or yeah. something like that. Yep. Um, see us having fun and doing some really cool things yeah. that they probably <laughs> wish they're doing in their sessions. Yep. Um, so I think that's definitely a, a place. But then there's also um, uh, a lot of programs out there now that are encouraging um, uh, exercise physiology as um, support. Mm. Um, mm. And I just think a lot more awareness around that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Hence, probably why we've seen a bit big influx of um, children being at exercise physiology clinics and absolutely. And yeah. I think the other thing that's definitely made a big difference is access to the NDIS. Definitely, huge, yep. huge support financially. Yeah, that which is really, really good to see. Um, yeah, let's get a little bit more into the the I guess the difference or how a sessions can look. Now I know there's variation in this, but I've definitely seen some very creative and fun sessions that you've planned for um, the children that you see. And it doesn't, again, doesn't really matter about the condition. You've taken that into consideration, but there's been a big emphasis on what they want to achieve and what they want to do, um, balanced with what is suitable for them as well. Absolutely, yeah. Visualize again, what can a session look like? I'm thinking of one person in particular. Um, Pretty crazy. Things, yeah. I think. And actually, you know what? I actually think this session, he might be one of our youngest. And at the same time, I've got a client who's one of our oldest. <laughs> and I'll tell you something at the end after you go through okay. maybe what a session looks like about how it can work at both ends of the yeah, scale. Sure. Um, yeah. So I guess what sessions can look like when uh, you refer to goals before and what they're, this, the yeah. participant is wanting to um, get out of exercise. And I think that's important to address too, because that's not that, um, different to when we're seeing adults Mm, with exercise physiology. It's really important in those initial sessions to make sure that you're establishing goals. And while parents do have a really significant input in those goals, um, children do as well, you Mm. know, like they understand that, Oh, I really want to be able to hang off the monkey bars at the playground or yeah. I really want to be able to run as fast as my friend. So I, they're often ones that you'll hear come through. Um, and it's really sweet because then you can, you know, include those sort of things in your session and yeah. say, you know what, Jack, if you do this, then you'll probably be able to do that at the playground. You yeah. don't have to try it out. How so, does that as well look? Because obviously from an adult's perspective, when you hear maybe not hanging off the monkey bars, yeah. you could do. <laughs> but if you, if you hear someone saying, oh, I want to be able to run faster, yeah. our kind of mindset because of being in a developed body, mm. we go, okay, we need to strengthen X, Y, and Z, glutes, hammies, calves and stuff. It doesn't always be the same way for a child, right? It's, no, it's not just let's not. go do strength. Like, and if we think about what we said earlier, it's mm. usually just actually doing it a lot more. Yeah, definitely. Because they're yeah. not, probably not actually doing much mm. running. Yeah. So it's hard for them yep. to run. So it comes it's just back practicing. to that 60 minutes and, and getting them physically active. Yep, yeah, for, for sure. sure. Um, I think, uh, thinking about, <laughs> back to the question about <laughs> what does a session look like? Um, particularly for our younger participants. So I think the youngest person I have seen, he was about to turn seven. So Mm -hmm. around that, you know, six, seven, eight age group. And until they're kind of reaching that 
12 years old maybe um sessions are really trying to just be fun and engaging and trying to build a really good positive relationship with physical activity Mm. so while i often have little things of um you know like we still do assessments and we still want to make sure that we're addressing um the requirements or maybe not requirements is the right word but addressing the things that should be um considered in terms of gross motor patterns definitely um we have to make sure that it's fun and exciting. You know, if I mm. want someone to be able to run faster, I'm not going to get them to do, you know, like you said, gluten, glute yeah, work and exactly. calf work and all of those things. I'm mm. going to be able to include it maybe into an obstacle course or mm. make it themed so that they're um, really engaged and enjoying it. Um, we, some of the examples of things we might do, we do lots of hopping and jumping and um animal movement things to get people, the kids <laughs> excited. We get them doing climbing over um, boxes. We do um, jumping on the trampoline. We do throwing and catching. We do balancing. Balancing activities are really fun to do and yep. you can make them very um, uh, engaging and crazy yep. if you like. Creative as you want to be. Um, yeah. Yes. We do a lot of core work as well. Often um, like low muscle tone is something that you will see in yep. children with complex health conditions. So we're trying to make sure that we're addressing that, but we're not going to get them doing, um, you know, traditional ab work. <laughs> we yeah, might be doing yeah, things exactly. that are more balance based or yep. doing, um, you know, like throwing a ball in a certain way or something mm. like that so that we know that we're still addressing those yep. things. Themed, all those things. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely day, seen Holly with a few dress up yeah. items <laughs> going. That you're thinking of is yeah. the one where my client really wanted to do a ninja warrior course. So we had to tie therabands around our heads so we look like ninjas. Yeah, and pretty it, cool. It, the therabands stuck to my hair. It was not pleasant, but he really enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is the thing that I wanted to refer to before. So at the same time, to paint paint the picture again, guys, is um, I have an 88-year-old client who is very deconditioned, with poor mobility, poor balance. The stuff that Holly's doing, maybe not to the same intensity, but it can actually be still very effective. So some of the balance things that I see Holly do with her client, uh, where it might be balancing on a foam pad, but um, throwing a ball or having some kind of perturbation, uh, but making it in a fun and active way, is the same thing that I can actually apply to this 88-year-old client. So um, other things like kicking a soccer ball, I'm doing that with my client to get a leg extension work for him as well. But it's still fun and interactive because let's face it, he comes and he doesn't really want to come. He's told to come, but to try and make it fun and interactive is still an integral part, particularly for children. But you can see how it can be effective for across the range really too, to some element as well anyway, making it fun and interactive. And as you've pointed out really well, is it comes back to goal setting, knowing your client, being really personal to them as well. So like the Ninja Warrior course, which is something that he wanted to do. You've taken that on board and thought, how can I do this and make sure that we are still applying those fundamentals of balance or core strength or things like that. So that's probably the key difference, hey, in terms of, you know, different from an adult to a a children and how you can actually see a a structured program running because um, it's not all just about shifting weight or doing yeah, traditional exercises absolutely. you can still get it and doing task specific ones that way as well definitely definitely yep. my other question sorry was going to be um have you ever had any this might be a little bit of an out there question but have you ever had any instances where you are doing these fun obstacle course activities and parents have gone ah oh, this is not what i thought it would be 
thought it would be more in the gym doing strength work, doing traditional exercises. Has there been that and um, kind of discourse in a way and how have you navigated around communicating, hey, they're doing it because that's the developmental side of it and yeah, any situations where that's come, come to arise? I think I'm quite fortunate in the families that I see. They're all very supportive of, um, I guess, uh, our profession and yeah. understanding that we um, can really help to support support their child and they're really just stoked to be able to see them participating in yeah. in activity. Mm. I wouldn't say I've actually had anyone resistant to like the really fun things mm -hmm. because they understand that there's no way their child is going to participate. It's <laughs> not fun. Yeah. Um, and yeah. a lot of the time, you know, kids might actually be a little bit nervous or a bit excited, uh, a bit scared to come into those initial sessions because they think of it as oh, like, I'm going to rehab or I'm going to yeah. therapy. Yep. But mm. then when they come in and they see like, we might do some testing in the initial session, but I'll still try and make it a bit fun and like um, be quite energetic with them. Yep. Um, and once they sort of get that, they're like really keen to be more involved and they they become super chatty and they're like really excited to be able to communicate with that with me. Um, and I think they understand that and their parents see that as well mm. and they know that it's really helpful for them. So I haven't had anyone be resistant to it, but I think just like you do with anyone else, education is helpful. For sure. Um, and yep. it's just about providing that insight, but also taking on that perspective as well. Like it's not to shut off those um, thoughts and opinions. Hmm. Yeah. And it's education obviously to both the you know, children and also to the, sure. uh, to the adults. So they, mm -hmm. they are aware of what the, um, the sessions can look like. Fantastic. Um, any kind of final take home points, anything we haven't covered yet that you uh, wanted the listeners to be aware of? Yeah, I actually um, have written some notes for my first podcast. <laughs> I haven't written notes before, but I'm stoked that I've been this prepared. But I came into this because I know when I first started working as an EP, while I had done a lot of babysitting and I've worked with kids and done coaching and all of those things, mm. and I really loved working with children, I was like, wow, I'm very out of my league working with them from an <laughs> exercise physiology perspective. So it took me a little bit of time to... Um, I guess, navigate and find resources. So I've written some resources down Perfect. because I think that that's helpful um, for people just starting out. Um, now, one of the ones that I um, think is really good and it's only been sort of released in probably the last 12 months or so mm -hmm. is the Exercise Right booklet or PDF thing for children. <laughs> it's called Exercise Right for Kids. Um, and you literally can just find it on their website. I think you can probably find it through ESSA as well, but it's really helpful because it does address um, quite a few different things and it's just a really good summary um, there as well. There's a very good um, website uh, page on the Australian government website called Sports Ability and that is a really um, a good informative um, educational resource that can help to give you a little bit of insight into, um, I guess, uh, games and sports that mm. are for people who have disabilities. Wonderful. Um, and yep. it has a lot of variations and you can use that in your sessions as well and encourage children to become in participant, uh, participate in those um, sports too. Yeah. So that's just good to have as a bit of a resource and something to go back to. Um, a couple of the ESSA podcasts that I have done have also been really helpful. So I'm just going to rattle off a rattle off a couple of names. There's an exercise participation 
uh, sorry, exercise and physical activity participation for children with disabilities. That's a podcast. There's one for cerebral palsy, so exercise and CP. And I think it's not only for children, that one. That's generally speaking, but it does have some information there. A really good one that I did was the working with individuals with autism. That was also a podcast um, or a webinar. Um, and then the other one that was quite well-rounded is called therapeutic exercise for children with complex health conditions. And I think that addresses quite a few different things. So um, yeah, all really good resources through ESSA that you can access, um, but that exercise right for kids, it's a free resource. So mm. jump on it and, and have a look because it's quite extensive and has some really good information. So it's a great place to start. Um, and then yeah, this podcast is also a great place <laughs> <to> start. <laughs> Fantastic. No, that's good because as well, like you can also, I was about to say there might be some frameworks or some information or resources around how to, to structure it because it can't be all just fun and games. There has to be kind of some Absolutely. kind of structure to yes. it. Um, but yeah, those are very, very good resources that uh, we can even put, put in the footnotes for you guys to access nice, uh, nice and quickly. Um, I think we can actually delve into a, a few other podcasts specifically about the conditions from here. Um, we, we pretty much see quite a range of different ones. Yeah. And so I can see that uh, we can probably do some podcasts about each one in particular and Definitely. some certain certain things that you might do or yeah. anyone else that sees them uh, uh, does in terms of how to manage those conditions so that um, all our listeners there are well equipped to see any condition with confidence. Absolutely. Fantastic. Um, final take-home points at all from you, Holly, about what we want the uh, listeners to take away. Uh, final take-home points are remember that you are trying to um, increase the participation of physical activity for these kids. So um, don't focus too much on all of the nitty-gritty. We're mm. really just trying to get mm. them participating in sport. Uh, oh, not sport, but physical activity yeah. and exercise generally. Yeah. If they want to participate in sport, that's excellent as well. Um, and then my other take home is obviously make it fun and engaging. <laughs> I think if you are as enthusiastic about it as they are, then mm. they're going to be on board and they love for you to get involved and they love for you to be playing with them. Um, and that's often what they'll say. Yep. What are we, we going to play with this today <laughs> or something like that? And you're like, yeah, yep. let's do it. Yep. Um, so they're my two take homes, participation and make it fun. Perfect. Knowing your client and making it, making it fun that way. Holly, thanks again for coming into the podcast room and recording this one. Uh, we will speak again soon. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Body Track Academy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and found something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, and tell your friends to check it out. If you're not already in the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up. Join our community of exercise physiologists and access more great content.